introduction. Good morning, everybody. How's everyone doing today? All right. Lively, small but lively bunch, right, as we still file in. So welcome to South Coast Community Church. Uh, I am Jamie Casey. I'm the associate pastor here. And uh, we welcome you, especially if it is your first time. Um, and, and we really hope that you uh, enjoy, but also hear the truth here today, uh, that you have a, a true um, worship experience Lord, and, and with the Lord and, and that we get out of the way. So uh, there are connection cards in the hallway on your way out uh, where you were coming up the stairs as a table. So if you've never given us your, your contact information, if you could please do that, that'll keep you updated on events and happenings. Uh, and also, if you haven't uh, updated that, those contacts for us in a while, you could s- fill out another one, and that will give Kathy uh, some fresh contact info for you so you don't miss out on anything. So please do that. Um, we wanted to thank you for, for following the guidelines again. Uh, we know that this isn't comfortable. We know that it's inconvenient, um, but it's a small price to pay, right, to wear a mask and to sit apart and to mind social distancing guidelines so that we can come here, use this space, worship the Lord, hear a word, and be together, united, um, as it were, in, in one spirit. So thank you for that. Um, again, it's just so we can, again, follow the state guidelines and also the wishes of our landlords so we can continue to use this space. We ask that you continue to do that. And so you've all been really great about that, and I just pray that we'd all continue to do that, and hopefully soon all of this stuff will, be, will go away and stop annoying all of us, right? And, uh, and we can get back to, to our normal, not this new normal everybody keeps talking about, but our normal, amen? amen. Everybody else sick of that term, new normal? Yeah, yeah good, thank you. So am I. I can say that, right? <laughs> good. Um, the other thing that I wanted to also bring up is that there's a loss and grief group that's starting a new series this Tuesday. Um, it's a, a book entitled, You'll Get Through This. So if you've, been, if you've been experienced any type of loss and you need encouragement, please consider joining the group. There are Tuesdays at 6 p.m. at Diane Fort and Curtin's house, 5 Riverside Drive in Mattapoiset. Uh, for more info, you can contact Diane. It should be in the, uh, in the flyer that we posted online. You can talk to Kathy in the back. Um, but I don't see Diane here, so I can't embarrass her or have her. Th- She's in New Hampshire, so we can't embarrass her to have her stand up. So, so. Uh, please, she, uh, she's the person to talk to. And again, it's a nice group. There's a lot of folks who have been involved in it over the past couple of years, and it's been very helpful. We've had a lot of loss, uh, as you know. And, and loss doesn't necessarily mean uh, death. It can be a loss of, of, of anything uh, su- substantial or traumatic in your life. So please, um, all clothing and toiletries uh, and donations for mobile ministries. I know we used to have a box out there in the hallway But um, they're going to be now officially dropped off right at St. Paul's Church in New Bedford. Um, It's kind of have to like tighten up the process a little bit for the time being. So we can't accept those donations here. But what you can do is if you have donations of clothing, blankets, warm clothing, or cold weather clothing, um, it's right on the corner of Rockdale Avenue and Kempton Street across from the old Orchard Diner there. Uh, And so if you want to, there's a box. You can drop it off right there. And they're always looking for... um, for donations. Uh, reservations for service. Uh, this is just a reminder for everybody and just to keep things in order and to hopefully make Kathy's life a little bit easier um, with getting everybody sort of seated in these family groups and socially distanced and having a nice little roster. We have an overflow room downstairs, as you know, so um, we, we've been typically reaching about 130 reservations on a Sunday, which is great because we don't even have kids' church up and running. 
great, but also a challenge. So please, if you can, by Thursday, uh, send an email to kathy at sccc.org. It's kathy with a C, C-A-T-H-Y at sccc.org, and she'll get you on the list, all right? So um, thank you for that. So this morning, um, Pastor Brian is sitting this one out, and, uh, and I'm going to do my best to fill in for him on the condensed version, right, of, of Pastor Brian. But uh, I just, you know, again, um, you know, I was thinking as I was driving here, and it, and it, was, it was one of those things where it's like, you know, there's, the devil gets in your head, you get in your head, our sin gets the best of us sometimes. And, you know, and I, and, and Pastor has really been preaching some, some messages these past few weeks that have really changed me. Like, I, I mean, honestly, to the point where uh, I'm reconsidering things, um, they're, they're, they're resonating me, with me throughout the week and how I speak and treat people and, and how I respond to things and everything. And it's really beautiful because that's what's supposed to happen. And then I'm starting to think, I'm like, oh, this poor church, they have to deal with me today, right? And I know that that's the enemy, you know? And so it's funny because I know that other people feel like that sometimes. Like you think because you're not so-and-so or you haven't gone this far or you haven't been doing this this long or because you're not as anointed. I've heard that, that phrase used before, too. I'm not sure what that means. But the point is, is that God has a purpose and a plan for each of us. He really does. Like, we've all been given these specific gifts and abilities. And most of us have spent most of our lives exploiting those things for our own personal gain, for our own selfish reasons. Amen? But the reality is, is once we give our lives over to Christ, it's not about how well we do. It's not about how other people view us or pleasing other people or meeting their mark. It's about honoring God and glorifying him with the gifts that he gives us, period. He's going to use us no matter who we are, where we are, what we've done, where we've come from. And so all we need to do is just surrender our lives to him. Just give ourselves over to him. And the next thing you know, miraculous things start to happen in and through you and all around you. And you start to understand what a life of abundance really is. So I encourage you this morning that if you're anything like me and you tend to get into your head and, and, and have doubt and fear sometimes creep in, just remember that God is greater, that his grace is greater, that the Holy Spirit that's in you is the same spirit that's in all of us, and it's the same spirit who's here with us today who's going to do amazing things in this room if, if you and I allow that to happen, if we don't get in the way. So let's, let's stand up. And let's pray together before we enter into this time of praise and worship. Father, we just come before you, Lord, grateful. Grateful that we can be here this morning. Grateful that we know you and that you know us. Father, we just ask you now to help us to worship you. Help us to have a clear vision and understanding of who you are. Not the God we've created in our mind, not this God of convenience that, that works for us and our, our lifestyles, opinions, and perceptions, but Lord, the God of the Bible, the God and creator of all things, help us to adjust and, and, and calibrate ourselves to you right now. Father, you have your way in us. You have your way in this room. Break us in half if that's what needs to happen. Help us, Lord, right now to just posture and position ourselves to worship you in spirit and in truth, not just emotionally, God, 
yeah, these songs are great, and, and sometimes they can draw out that emotional side of us, and that's not a bad thing, but if that's all we get here today, then we've missed it. So I'm asking you to do something new and fresh and amazing here today for some people. I'm asking you to in, in introduce yourself to somebody who may not know you or may have had a misconstrued notion or understanding of who you really are. Because a lot of times, God, we miss it because we're not looking in the right place. Ready our hearts, soften them, open our minds to who you are here today, God, to your truth, not ours, not our opinions, not the opinions of the world. Father, we need you desperately now more than ever. And so, God, help us to just sing your praises here today without fear, without being self-conscious or worrying about how our voice sounds or who hears us or sees us or what people might think of us, even here in this room, that we would just worship you, God, that we'd be excited about you, God, the same way we get excited about things of this world, Lord, that don't mean anything. Have your way now, God. In Jesus' name. Good morning. There's a passage in uh, Psalms that I wanted to share. It's um, Psalm 73, 25, and 26. And um, it, it was written by one of God's chosen uh, Levites, Asaph. He was one of the three Levites commissioned by David also to be in charge of singing in the house of Yahweh. Um, he wrote, Who have I in heaven but you? And on earth there is nothing I desire but you. My heart and my flesh may fail, but God, you are the strength of my heart and my portion forever. I heard John Piper once say that those are the uh, most glorifying words to God that we could say, that our heart's desire is for him and nothing else. The things of this world don't have any meaning to us apart from God. Amen. Similarly today in the, the songwriters, we're going to share some songs with, uh, with you. They bring a similar testimony. One says, I've searched the world, but it couldn't fill me. He goes on to say, there's nothing better than you. Amen. We're also going to sing, there is no one higher than you, God. And there is none but you, Jesus. And how we are subject to a God of wonders. Amen. That is so far beyond what we can fathom. Amen. So stand and sing with us this morning.
and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied hearing your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Oh, there's nothing better than you. Lord, there's nothing. Nothing is better than you.
sing it again. Oh, there's nothing. Yes. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing. Nothing is better than you. Precious Lord, precious Lord, reveal your heart to me. 
Majestic in wonder, you reign with love forever. There's no one higher than you. Your beauty, your beauty, your splendor, your glory knows no measure. There's no one higher than you. You're always with us.
life forever praise. Let my life forever praise the glory of your name. There is no one higher than you. No one like you, Lord. No one like you. There is no In c 
illusion I know your sovereign stillness in the moment of my weakness you give me grace to do your will when you call I won't delay yes. this my song Thank you, Heavenly Father. Mm. Lord, only you are enough, God. Only you satisfy. Lord, may you draw us to you, God, and let our desires be your desires, Father. 
May we put nothing before you, holy God. May you be on the throne of our hearts, Lord, and may we not forget it. We are grateful to you, Lord. I pray that our hearts are prepared for this message today, Lord. May we be accepting of it, Father God. May it be preached, Father, just clearly from you. We are grateful to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So good morning again. If you weren't here when I said the first good morning, and if you were, you get two good mornings. So I'm really happy everyone's here today. I'm, I'm blessed to be able to share and, and, and give our pastor a break, as you saw him hobbling around back there on a cane and really playing it up for some of you. You know, who, who likes theology? That's it? Just a few of you? Oh. Well, the rest of you, go with God, amen. <laughs> so, this message, you, you know, I just want to, I like to really be honest. I think you guys know that about me. Like, I try not to come up here and puff myself up at all, because um, I know who I am. And... Um, I had one of these weeks, man, I, and, and life is great. Like, I mean, I love my life, you know. Uh, I'm living a life that I never imagined, you know, Ephesians 3.20, right? Immeasurably more than I ever hoped. Um, but this week was just one of those weeks where I couldn't get out of my own way. There was always something to do and a lot of challenges, people pressing up against me and pushing against me and, and, and just time. And then, you know, my son's turning one and we're having a little party for him at the house and I have a Portuguese wife. <laughs> um, <laughs> just kidding, honey. She's, she might be listening. But it's a lot, right? And so when I said, Pastor, yeah, I got you. I'll, I'll, I'll preach on uh, the 27th. Um, I had no idea that I would be so strapped for time. So as I was preparing this message or trying to, something kept coming up and kept interrupting me. So I never really had this one set block of time and so it was like all these different pieces coming at me and and really like uh, I sat down with Izzy and Jeff on Wednesday night and and you know we talked and I said man the only thing I know is that in Romans I can always go there and I can always find something amazing that'll minister to me and in turn obviously minister through the word that's preached. I didn't know what that was going to be, though. I was still praying. And then I got this phone call. Actually, I, we got this phone call. So I had this phone call from someone here from our church, and she had called and asked to speak to either Pastor Brian or myself. And I gave her the call because Brian, as you see, has been laid up after a major pinky toe surgery. <laughs> you know you're never going to live this down, just so you know. <laughs> but seriously, uh, the reason for her call was to discuss a con uh, concern she had with all the new regulations, you know, regarding face masks and social distancing, a lot of the concerns that a lot of folks have. And so she just wanted to talk to one of us, and she was just struggling with some things. And so I said, yeah, I'll give her a call. However, when I called her, we didn't talk about those things. 
at least not until we had another much more important conversation first. It was just mentioned sort of at the end of the second phone call. So I'm going to tell you how this phone call went and how I ended up where I am and how God is just sovereign and in control, and it's pretty amazing, but I actually spoke with her last night again, and she confirmed, and she had actually asked that Kathy send out a prayer request, so if you're on our email list, you, you saw this, and she said, no, please use my name, use the call, I don't care, that's fine. She says, I want to go through this with everybody. I thought that was beautiful. So I said, hey, Louise, I said, what's going on? And she says, I said, are you okay? Everything okay? And she said, I think I'm great. And I said, okay, well, that's good. I said, I was just returning your phone call. And then she says, uh, can, I, can you hold on a second? I'm in Vanity Fair outlet. I'm just going to get out to, like, to the parking lot. i got to talk to you. I was like, okay. So she says, yeah, she says, this is crazy. She says, you know, um, I, I'm thinking she's going to start kind of reaming me about us not wearing masks properly or social distancing. That was what I was prepared for, and we take a lot of those calls, you know. Thanks for everybody for that. <laughs> she says, I had a biopsy last week. And she says, and the craziest thing is, is she says, you know, I'm, I'm just, it, it hasn't even really been a big deal to me, to be honest with you. She goes, I've been praying about it and everything, but I know something's wrong. She says, so they did a spinal biopsy, and she said, and I've just been asking God to sort of enter into this with me and help me through this. And she says, and so yesterday, the cable guy came over, and, he's, and he was fixing my cable. She says, and I stopped talking to him, and I tell him how I'm a widow, and she says, well, I'm a widower. And then, you know, they start going through this conversation about uh, the Lord. And she says, and I said, is his name Sean? She says, yeah. Some of you guys know him. I says, yeah, he seems to install everybody's cable. And he talks about Jesus with everyone. And she's like, and I felt like Jesus was talking to me directly through this man in my living room. And I said, well, yeah. I said, the Holy Spirit's in him. That's what happens. And she says, it was amazing. And she goes, and you know him? And I said, yep, I do. I said, we don't all know each other. Trust me. This, this is a God thing. And then she says, I call my friend. And she says, and I tell her all about it. She says, yeah, Sean, he's great. And she says, and I start realizing that God has entered in and he's answered my prayers. And, and, and that to me was just beautiful, right? And then she says, and now here I am. I just am waiting for a call back right now from my doctor. I says, well, what happened? She says, I thought you were him. She says, I, they called and said they want to come in and see me, me to see him in person on Thursday. And I work in the medical field. I know what this means. She's like, and instead of the doctor calling, you called. Now, I look at how my morning went. I meant to call her an hour earlier, but I got caught up with some other things, which is pretty typical for me. It was actually really aggravating, and it was all because of my stupid dog. But the point is, is you look at all these little frustrations and these things that sort of set you back and get in your way and distract you, and you think, you know, you have this mission, and you're frustrated and angry because you can't get to do what you need to do, God, because this is on my plate today. And what ends up happening is, is I call exactly at the right time. And she says to me, I told him I want to talk to him now. I don't want to wait till Thursday. He can tell me whatever he needs to tell me over the phone. She says, and, and then we proceed to have this amazing conversation about the what ifs. And I says, you know what's great? I said, is, is when we're Christians, when we have this eternal lens, it's no longer what if, it's even if. 
even if. And, I, and, then, and then God clearly brought me to the book of Romans, chapter 8, verse 28 through 39. Not just that one verse we love to pluck out and say, you know, God works all things out for the good of those who love him, right? Because we love to throw that around. But we talked about what that good was. And we talked about that there was nothing that could separate us from the love of God. And that these trials, these very things, people are watching. And they need to see it. And they need to see what faith looks like when you go through hardship. And we've seen that here in this church. We've been very privileged. You know, the first person that comes to my mind is John Martin. Right? We watched him fight cancer with faith, with dignity with confidence. And we watched how that impacted. It impacted me, and I'm sure it impacted many of you in a very positive way. And so we were talking about that, and I said, you know, no matter what happens, you got to make a decision right now. And she said, I already have. So I'm like, well, why did I call you? <laughs> and I realized it was so she could minister to me. Because she inspired me so much because she was in that real life situation where she said, I've already made a decision. I know who my God is. I don't care what happens. All I care about is how I act, how I respond, and that I continue to feed my faith and glorify him through this. And it was just so beautiful to listen to. And I said, so are you all right? And she said, are you all right? <laughs> she says, you sound a little broken up, Pastor. I said, I am. I was way more emotional than she was because I was so inspired by her courage and her faith, and it made me feel small because I had such a busy morning that I had disregarded God and all his cues. This conversation changed the course of my week, my attitude, my perspectives, the way I looked at all my challenges, my frustrations, my honey-do list, <laughs> Hi, honey. <laughs> but with that, before we get started here today, I want to pray for Louise, but I also want to pray together that we have that kind of resolve when great challenge comes up against us. Because I think a lot of times we do play the what if game. A lot of times we don't have a set default sort of position. We're, res we're reactive. We haven't planned our responses ahead of time. Every single one of us is perishing, outwardly it says. But inwardly we should be being renewed day by day. So join me please as we pray and really enter into this. As your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I'm asking you to really, really let go of anything that you're holding on to right now that you shouldn't be. Any unforgiveness, resentments, bitterness. Any selfishness, entitlement. And just remember what the cross is and what it means, what was done for us and how beautiful God is and the fact that we can stand here before him and actually talk to him. Who are we that you are mindful of us, Lord? Father, we lift up Louise to you right now, God. We ask you now to do something amazing and beautiful through her, her battle. Lord, we know that 
you work all things out for good. Help us today to understand what that good is, to truly get excited about that good, even if it differs from what we consider good. Help us to delight in you, God. Help us to really believe that you are the ultimate good and your will and your plan for us is that ultimate good and not the things that we've substituted. Father, as Louise goes through this, I pray that all of the doctors and, and, and specialists and nurses that treat her, God, that everything they've ever learned would be brought back to recollection, that you would sharpen their minds, steady their hands, and give them compassion and love for her as a patient that she would receive the best possible treatment. But God, even more than that, that you heal her, whether it's naturally or supernaturally, we just ask that you do. And Father, in this process, I know she's going to inspire others. She's going to make them question their faith or lack of it. She's going to show people what confidence looks like in the face of great challenge. And Lord, there's nothing greater than hope. It does not disappoint, your word says. Fill her with hope. Help us as a church to come alongside of her and to love her and support her and encourage her in the toughest times and during the darkest days of treatment. And Lord, help us to be good students, to pay attention to her fight, pay attention to what this looks like. And Father, I also want to lift up, lift up Val LaCasse to you right now, Lord, as she might be going back in for another surgery. And so, God, I pray for her healing as well, and that you would fill her with hope and faith and trust in you. God, that we would all, not just today, but going forward, stand in the gap for these women and for each other, and remember that the power of prayer not only changes outcomes, but it changes us. Help us to remember who's in control and how powerful you are, and we worship you for that reason. Have your way, Lord. And Lord, now help me as I share your word and your message here today to get out of the way that my opinions, my thoughts, and perspectives would only be heard if they align with you and yours. So I trust you now, God, even with a fool like me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody. Mm. <clears throat> I'm going to read the main text this morning. It's coming out of Romans chapter 8, as I said, verses 28. So if you do have a Bible, we're going to read 28 through 39. <clears throat> and it says, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who's against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him over for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? Who will bring a charge against God's elect? God is the one who justifies, and who is the one that condemns? Christ Jesus is he who died, yes, rather who was raised, who is at the right hand of God and also intercedes for us. 
Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things, we, are over, we overwhelmingly conquer. Excuse me. Some translations say we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Great passage. And I think, again, sometimes we shortchange some of these verses and we pluck them out. And they're helpful in the moment, maybe, kind of like a, you know, motivator, self-help teacher. But when we don't understand the full theology of this, when we don't understand what Paul is really saying in its entirety in this context, it's really hard for us to really grasp how great this is. We go, okay, good, God's working this out, I got this. But then, then, then something else comes up against you, and something else comes up against you, and the next thing you know, you're, you're discouraged again. You don't have any firm foundation to stand on, and so we need to get through this. We need to work through this together and flesh this out. So I'm going to break this for the sake of time. I'm going to do my best and break this into two, two parts. And I won't do it any justice. I'm just telling you that now. I'll do my best and I'll present it. But I'm going to tell you that this merits much more study. It really does. But first I want to talk about the certainty of God's plan in verses 28 through 34, the first half. Has anyone here ever gone through hardship by any chance? Anyone? Oh, a couple of you had a hard time? Okay, good. Was it fun? Anybody have fun going through hardship? Of course it wasn't, right? It's not supposed to be. That's why it's hardship. But it's imperative that we do go through stuff. It is. The scripture says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust the same. The Christian life is not about a trouble-free existence, despite what you may have heard. The goal isn't to live our best lives now. Did that hurt anybody? Don't worry, I'll get to you. You know how I roll. See, Pastor Brian mentioned it last week when he talked a little bit about the Westminster Smaller Catechism. The first question is, is what's the chief end of man? What's our purpose? And if you know anything about the Westminster uh, Society, what it was is the church in England and the church in Scotland got together and they worked out these finer points of Christianity so that they would be more united as a church as a whole and therefore they could lead people and teach people better. And these were some of the greatest minds in theology of that day, 16, late 1600s. And you know what their answer was? To glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That's the purpose of Christianity. That's the goal. It's to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. We've made it something it's not, haven't we? And when I say we, I say the church and also individually. 
Does Jesus promise abundant life? Of course he does. John 10.10, he says, I'll give you life and I'll give it to the full. But I think how we define that abundant life is what matters and where we sort of differ from what God's intention was in those words. See, he also promises struggle. He also promises persecution. And it's funny how that isn't mentioned too often when we share the gospel. We try to sell this version of Jesus or this gospel that's all good news in every aspect. And we forget the height of that good news is eternal life. Eternal life in Christ. But I digress. See, the reality is, is we seek comfort. We seek peace. We seek purpose. But we try to avoid hardship at all costs. We build lives. We, we build personal sanctuaries. We build out of pride. We build out of fear. We desire to be safe from all the challenges that this life offers. But see, Paul reminds us here in 828 that the struggles we'll encounter are actually good. Or as he puts it, God causes all things to work together for that good. So I guess that means we first need to understand what that good is, right? Because if not, we're going to define it ourselves according to the context of our lives and our desires. And guess what happens when we do that? Our sin gets in the way. Our flesh starts to make those decisions. Our flesh starts to answer those questions. And it's no longer about glorifying God and enjoying him forever. It's about that job. It's about that bank account. It's about that house and that car and that relationship and those clothes and those shoes and so on and so forth. And God gets pushed to the back. And all those other things become our gods. It's really cool because Paul knows how limited we are in our attention spans. You don't have to look far because the very next verse, verse 29, he tells us, he says, to be conformed to the image of his son. That is the good. To be conformed to the image of his son. You know, it's funny, no matter where you go, even if people don't believe in Jesus, they don't believe that Jesus was God or the son of God, if, it doesn't really matter. They'll all agree on this, that his lessons were good. That he was a good teacher, that he was a good prophet, that the, the stuff that he taught was of value. So even those people, and even those of you who don't know Jesus hearing this today, know that at least that is good. That the image of his son, to be conformed to that image, to be conformed to that good, is better than any good we can concoct. Because we know it's bad to murder, right? We know it's bad to steal. But Jesus raises the bar and he says, treat others the way you want to be treated. And if someone strikes you, turn the other tree cheek and let him strike the other. And if he sues you for this, then give him that. Oh, and by the way, if they curse you, pray for them and bless them. And if their enemy is hungry, feed them. Care for him and love them. That's good. And that's what we learn through hardship, isn't it? Let's get into this a little further. 
See, good is not what we determine to be good, but how God has defined it according to his perfect will and plan. So God's perfect will should be displayed through us when we're transformed by our renewed minds and becoming living sacrifices for him, as Paul puts it in Romans 12, right? This good is reserved, though, for a very specific people, according to these verses. And if we don't pay attention, we'll skip right over this stuff. It's to those who love God first. See, the promise is not for the uncommitted. It's not for the uncommitted. To love God doesn't mean you have the right bumper sticker or attend church every Sunday or have that cool Christian t-shirt. It means you're diligently pursuing Him. It means that your life and everything you do, He is your compass, He is your navigator. And that you've identified with your sin and you understand and have realized his grace and that the gospel is the only way to freedom. And you live that out daily from that perspective. Living for him, loving for him, and serving for him. That's what loving God looks like. It's not just tears during a song. However, that does happen. But like I said and I pray, that's not the apex of it. That's not, that's not just it. It's not just an emotional love. It's a spiritual love. It's a, it's a carnal conviction and commitment as well. Even when we don't feel like it. Glorifying him and enjoying him forever. And then it's for those who are called according to his purpose. Those who are called according to his purpose. And we're going to break this down a little bit further. And I'll ease you into this, some of you. And some of you may never come back. And that's okay. No, it's not. <laughs> the promise is for those who have been called. And God's calling is effectual. It's effective. If he calls you, rest assured, you're coming. Kicking and screaming or willingly, you're coming. And some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you have tried to run from him. Some of you have checked out. Some of you spent your entire lives living for you. And you knew God was calling and, and, and pecking away at your life. And yet you were like, eh, this is more fun. Where'd that get you? I know where it got me. But his calling is effectual. We call him the hound of heaven, right? Everybody's like, I, I love when people say, God is a gentleman. Uh, did you read the Old Testament? Did you see what happened to Jesus? Think about that for a second. He is an omnipotent, omniscient, powerful God. He orchestrates and creates all things. He's sovereign. He's in control. He doesn't need to be polite according to your definition. Who says that? Who made that up? Somebody who doesn't know God. You all tracking with me so far? Okay, good. Just making sure. See, it's time we stop trying to conform God's will to our lives and stop conforming our lives to God's will. That's what the Bible calls us to. You know, or I could go even further and say what Dietrich Bonhoeffer said. He says, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. Yeah? So let's, I, I want to look at a few of these words a little more closely. 
predestined, called, justified, and glorified. See, we can't gloss over what Paul is clearly saying here, as I said, and throughout this letter in Romans for that matter. He talks about these things over and over again, and I think that if you've ever read the book of Romans and you see what happened with Martin Luther, it changed his direction completely. It changed the direction of the church completely because of this book, because of Romans chapter 1. What ends up happening is, is we have to come to terms and reconcile the fact that God's grace is greater than our sins and our will and who we are. That God's grace invades our lives even when we don't want it to. And thank God for that. Because some of us don't even realize how much we need His grace. And sometimes grace looks different. It's prescribed differently, if you will, to every single one of us because we're unique. And so it may look like something great and victorious or, or uh, uh, rewarding. Or it may look like something really horrible and challenging like what Louise is going through right now. It may look like loss and tragedy. Did you know that? That grace can look like that? And do you know why? Because he's not a cruel God. Because he's a loving God. And because he'll do whatever it takes to get you. Because you're called. That's what he says. So if you're sitting here today, and you're considering these things, and you profess your faith in Jesus, and you're following Jesus, if you're saved, as we put it, then you've been called. You were predestined for that. It says before, the beginning of time, he knit you together in your mother's womb, already knowing this. We take a lot of credit for things, don't we? All I know is, 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 and I say this all the time on Wednesday nights, is the only thing we bring to the table of salvation is our sin. Brokenness. And God redeems us and makes us whole. But God, amen. So Paul says that those whom the Father foreknew, he predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. This is that thing called grace. It's irresistible, it's powerful, and it's what calls dead men out of the grave. Grave to God in. That was a beautiful song. Pastor Brian actually requested that. Turns out he doesn't just listen to the Grateful Dead, everybody. I'm getting them good this week. But John 6.44 says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. How do we reconcile that? No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. This irresistible grace that Paul is referring to here is laced throughout this book of Romans. So if you want to learn more about it, I highly suggest a study of this epistle. A deep study. This is where I plug Wednesday night. Wednesday nights, we're actually in the process. We're still at the beginning because of the whole quarantine thing. In the summer, we just stopped. We're going to stop back up, but we're in the book of Romans, and we're getting into the nitty-gritty. So if anybody really wants to get into it, talk to me on All Serious. <clears throat> but Paul says that these people God predestined were also called. Called to what? Called to salvation? Sure, but I, I think we lighten that call when we just throw that word at it. And that's partly our fault. 
because of how we use language. But we're called to adoption, the word says. We're called to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. We're called to a radical transformation that destroys all of our previous mindsets and perspectives. We're called to live for Christ and bring Christ to others. And we're called to a new heart, a new mind that reroutes us, rewires us, and completely renews us. That's the calling. That's what we're called to. And I don't think sometimes we really grasp that. We just say, yeah, I'm called to be saved. What is saved? That matters. How we define that matters. How we see that matters. That's where gratitude comes from. That's where excitement comes from. You know, we talked about that. We wrestled with that this week, Jeff and I and Izzy. And we talked about what does it mean to get excited in church, excited for God, because sometimes we make it something it's not. We, we look foolish or ludicrous because we're getting excited and acting silly. But if the heart behind that, the excitement for the Lord and for what he's done and for what he's doing is authentic and genuine, then by all means, shout your fool head off. Because there is none but Jesus, none greater. And if we're singing these songs, we better mean these songs. Lest we sing in vain, and I don't ever want to answer for that. Who knows what I'm talking about here? Who knows what I'm talking about? Can we just like give him a, you know what I mean? That's who our God is. That's what he's doing in our lives and in our midst. That's what this church is. That's why we're here. You know, we're here because he called us out of darkness. Because he rescued us from our own sin and our own selves. And through what? Through the horrible death and resurrection. Right? Praise him. We talked about what it means to be predestined and called, but, but now I want to quickly explain what it means to be justified. Love that. I'm sorry, I'll never get sick of kids interrupting me, just so you know, which is probably good because I have a little one. But I know many of you in this room will have read this portion of Scripture before, and in fact, you refer to it often, as I said, and I know I do. I know I do. But have you ever noticed or even considered that it's written in the past tense? Have you ever considered that? Predestined, called, justified. The use of the tense is borrowed from the Hebrew prophecy, which often writes in the past tense. And I'll tell you why. That's because it's as good as done, because it's been done in the mind of God. Think about that. Once it's been set in the mind of God, it's as good as done. That's why it's past tense. It's that simple. Philippians 1.4 says, He who began a good work in you will complete it. Period. There's no hope in the sense that he might. There's hope in the sense that he will. He will complete it. He began it. He's completing and doing that and sanctifying us and, and, and daily through our struggles and through our victories and through others and through our circumstances and our situations, even when we don't acknowledge him. He's doing it. Who believes that here today? Yeah. 
let's trust that promise. Let's live like we trust that promise. To be justified means to be cleared, to be, excuse me, to be declared innocent, to be vindicated, even though you, we, are all guilty. That's what justified means. You did nothing. But be guilty. (laughs) See, we can try to justify ourselves, but guess what? Only Jesus can do that. And that is the good news of the gospel. Predestined, called, justified, and then it says glorified. I pulled up this definition of what glorified means. It says, to cause to have splendid greatness, clothe in splendor, glorify, or of the glory that comes in the next life. To cause to have splendid greatness, clothe in splendor. See, glorification refers to our resurrection on that last day, the final consummation of God's saving purpose is to bring us into that glory. Yeah, thank you. Brothers and sisters, those of us who have professed our faith in Jesus, who have received God's grace and heeded the call to follow him, we are promised to enter in to God's glory. Amen is right. This means we escape eternal spiritual death. Hell. I just said the word. See, I've heard it said that preachers don't talk enough about sin and hell. We actually talked about that this week, too. Good conversation we had by the fire, by the way, guys. Thank you. And that might be true. But I do know this. There's no good news unless we understand what the bad news is. And the bad news does include eternal damnation. Because all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, according to the scriptures. And the penalty for that sin is death. That's it. Hell. Why do we hate that word so much? And I don't mean hate it in the sense that we fear it or it's a reality to us, but it's almost like taboo and it shouldn't be in the church. It's part of the good news. It's knowing what the alternative is. And there's an urgency in that. And I don't think we profess that enough. There's got to be an urgency for our family and our friends who are not saved, who don't know Christ. And the fact that we want to be polite or not jam it down their throats. We don't even look for opportunities, never mind jam it down their throats. We just let them go. And we say things like, oh, they'll learn by watching my life. They might. But I'm going to tell you right now, if your life and your words aren't both working and living out the gospel in front of people, then guess what? The chances you just cut them in half, if not more, of rescuing others. God puts you in places and in people's lives so that they can be saved and rescued. Not so you can be comfortable. Not just so you can benefit from those relationships. But because they need to benefit. Because you've been rescued. And rescued people are supposed to rescue people. And a lot of times we just sort of compartmentalize our lives and we think, well, this is work. I don't talk about this here. And this is home and, you know, he hates hearing about this. Right? And then we still hang out with people who have a complete abhorrence for God. And we justify that and say, well, they need to come to know Jesus through me. But yet, we don't even share the gospel with them. We actually join them in their sin. 
Oh, I heard some hmm, so <laughs> you understand what I'm saying. Everybody okay? Yeah? Because the reality is, is that if we don't hear about hell and sin, then we are never going to have the high esteem for the gospel that we should. We will never have the excitement and zeal for grace and what was done on the cross and the resurrection and how good our God is and the fact that you were dying in your sin and that your lives were destroyed, some of you, to the fullest extent of that, ex of that definition. And he reaches down and he pulls you up out of hell, out of the grip of sin, and he gives you new life. It says in Ephesians 2 that you were dead in your sins, but God, being rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ Jesus. Amen. That's our God. That's our God. We should be way more excited when we sing, huh? We should be made way more excited when we're driving down the road and we realize and remember grace. Not looking for the next thing that God can do for us all the time. Because he's already done more than we deserve. That's what grace is. It's unmerited. We haven't earned any of it. <laughs> yes. Friends, salvation is not fragile. It's appointed by a mighty God. And so a lot of times I think we think we worry about this loss of salvation or am I really saved? You're not that powerful. You're a sinner saved by grace. Stop taking on the responsibility of God. Our salvation was made possible through the death and resurrection of Jesus, and it's held together by his powerful love and grace. And Paul writes, if God is for us, who is against us? Who is against us? Not even you can stand against you. Did you know that? Not even you. Who is against us? God is for us, period. That's it. Have confidence in that. Walk tall in your salvation. Know that it cannot be stripped from you because you're a sinner. That's what got you there in the first place. That's the whole point. So stop thinking your sin can disqualify God's grace or it's more powerful. Where's the cross? Right there. <laughs> stop minimizing what that means. Nothing you do or have done or will do will ever minimize or diminish what Christ did on that cross. End of story. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And I'm just going to talk about the second half very quickly. I love when he says, who will bring a charge against God's elect? Who? Like it's such a bold statement. Who's going to bring a charge against God's elect? Paul's, you know, brazen question. Only God condemns, he says. God is the one who condemns. God's the one who justifies. No one else. So can anyone or anything separate us from the love of God? No. No. And he lists all these things that we typically think will. But let's look at this confident in God's love in verses 35 through 39. And for the sake of time, again, not, we're not going to reread it, but we could preach this chapter in Romans for months. 
again, recommend that you guys do join a study or find a solid study of Romans, and we're glad to help you with that. But Paul closes this chapter with a note of triumph. He says, we are overwhelmingly, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. We win the supreme victory through Jesus Christ because he loved us, not because we loved him. We are more than conquerors. Yet another thing we didn't deserve that, that grace created because he loved us. And we only love it, says, because he first loved us. Paul bases this victory on Christ's everlasting love that has no limits, and we can't take any credit because Paul says there is nothing or no one that can separate us from God's love because there is nothing in this life more powerful than his love. Period. That's it. Stop it. Stop fearing things. Stop fixating on things that have no power. They may have power over you, and the only reason why is because you've allowed it. God's love is greater, period. Remember that today. When you leave here today, I want you to say, I am more than a conqueror. I want you to remember that phrase all week. And I want you to say, God's love is greater. I am more than a conqueror because God's love is greater. Not because I did it, not because I deserve it, not because of how strong I am, but because of how great he is. That's what you want to take from here today. We can have confidence that if we've been elected by God and adopted into the family of Christ, then we can dwell in God's love for eternity. Ephesians 1.21 says, Jesus is far above all rule, all authority, and power and dominion. And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Amen. Glory to God. I could go on and on about that alone for hours. But we don't need to. Friends, we're more than conquerors through him who loved us. And we can leave here today knowing that there is nothing that this world can throw at us that is more powerful, more valuable, or more worthy than what we have in Jesus. God's got us. Amen? Let's shine for him. Please stand. Let's worship him now.
Lord, may we remember, Lord God, that there is no one higher than you, God. May we be, Lord, submissive to you, God, obedient to you, God. May you be on the throne of our hearts, holy God. May nothing be higher than you, Lord. We are so grateful for you, God, and your wonderful grace. Your power, your sovereignty, Holy Lord. May these things remain in our minds and in our hearts, Father God, as we go through our weeks. May we remember to shine for you, Holy God, because of your greatness. And bring glory to your name. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs>